Welcome to All The Things Podcast. I'm Regina Lawrence, your host. I'm a lawyer turned soulful business strategist and transformational mindset coach. I'm also the founder of the community, All The Things Business. I've created a community of women who can truly be all the things, successful, spiritual, sexual, and wildly unique, all while creating a life of purpose and passion according to our own rules. We don't have to look or be a person that societal norms dictate anymore. We don't have to play by somebody else's rules. We can be whoever we want to be, and that person can be all the things in one. Each week, I'll bring you episodes where we dive deep into business, entrepreneurship, and a whole host of topics to help us dive into who we truly are so that we can really be all the things. Welcome to my podcast. Hey guys, I know that starting a business can be really complicated, confusing, scary, and there's so many moments when you're starting your business or when you're pivoting your business, you feel really, really confused and like you have no one to talk to. I totally understand that because when I started my coaching business, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I tried a million things and I would hit dead ends and I would just try and try and try and try. Luckily, I was able to figure it out, but I had to take the long way. And that is exactly why I am the business coach that I am, because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried all of the things, and I know what works in creating, scaling, and pivoting your online and coaching business. If you are needing a friend, if you are needing a coach and somebody to hold your hand through this crazy process of growing your business online, schedule a free 30-minute virtual coffee chat with me. Go to my website, reginalawrence.com, and click Schedule a Virtual Coffee Chat, and we can hop on and talk about one particular issue in your business that you are struggling with right now, and by the end of that 30 minutes, I promise you that you will have a solution. Once again, it's www.reginalawrence.com, and click Schedule a Virtual Coffee Chat. I cannot wait to talk to you and help you unravel anything you are struggling with in your business right now. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of All The Things Podcast. I'm your host, Regina Lawrence, and today we have a guest from the music industry. Anna Trunin is a little bit of a different guest than what we've had before, but she is the same beautiful flavor of woman that I love to connect with who is so high vibe and is thinking about and doing such beautiful things in the world. Anna is a seasoned music marketing professional, podcast host, and high performance and wellness coach for artists. She studied music management at London's Middlesex University before getting her bachelor's degree in marketing in her native country of Finland. After completing a marketing internship at Sony Music Finland, she then moved back to London and landed in the marketing team of Universal Music's UK Frontline label Polydor, which won the prestigious Music Week Label of the Year Award a historic two years in a row. During her four years at Polydor, she successfully executed alternative rock and pop artist marketing campaigns, including two number one albums with Five Seconds of Summer and Young Blood as product manager, which is so amazing. It was at this time when her passion for artists' mental health advocacy in self-development took over and she got certified as a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist from the UK College of Hypnosis and Hypnotherapy 
She then started her music industry and mental health podcast, Break the Record, and her artist coaching company called Break the Record Coaching. You can find Anna online at BreakTheRecordConsulting.com and on Instagram at Anna Tarunen, T-U-R-U-N-E-N. Anna and I dive into so many beautiful things in this episode. We talk about her journey through the music industry into the particular niche that she is specializing in, which is really focusing holistically on the musical artists in a way that other coaches have not in the past. Also, another thing that has been so powerful on Anna's journey has been the use of psychedelic medicines for healing. So we really dive into that. And as you guys know, that has been such a big thing for me on my journey. So with that, I hope you guys love this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All The Things Podcast. I'm your host, Regina Lawrence, and today we have a beautiful guest who is going to share about so many incredible things that she's doing in the world, from working with artists and coaching them in a way that they really haven't been coached before, to her own journey and experience with psychedelics, which you guys know I love to talk about. I love exploring this because this is a season of my life that I'm in and that I'm exploring. So with that, welcome Anna Tarunan to the show. Hello. Oh. Hi, Regina. Thanks so much for having me. Such a treat. I was just thinking about this because obviously I have my own podcast, but being on this side for once is like, hell yes. <laughs> so good. So good. I'm so excited for the guests to connect with you and to learn so much from you. So something that you and I were chatting with about before we started recording was our journeys and our experiences with psychedelic medicine. And, you know, one of the things I'm really excited for you to talk about today is your journey and your experiences, because we're living in a world where psychedelics are something that people are, we're hearing a lot about in the mainstream media. We're hearing about psilocybin and mushrooms and ayahuasca journeys, but there's still a lot of stigma around those things. Do you feel like that too? I feel like it's, a very weird space because I I think people in the spiritual community like for us it's pretty every day to talk about these things for us it's pretty normal so you get into this bubble where you don't even realize what it's like for the mainstream right now mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of intrigue but there's a lot of fear that's what I find mostly it's like these post the war on drugs kind of like propaganda yeah. lives very strongly where it's like you can be certified insane if you do LSD more than like was it six or seven times or something that has like absolutely yeah. no basis on any sort of research and I think it's about time that we are really addressing those like old beliefs because psychedelics are the future of mental health like the research is getting there right now Mm -hmm. and um it's just baffling and something that I always like to say is that healing belongs to everybody so I think it's important that we start taking steps like this is the third time psychedelics have really had like a massive wave when it yeah. comes to um how they're used so this time we can actually look back and kind of like learn what happened wrong last time and what can we do differently this time so that more people can benefit from the beautiful health benefits of psychedelics. Absolutely. For yourself, how did you start to get into the world of psychedelics? Mm. So mm, I grew up in Finland for anyone thinking where the hell is her accent from? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
And um, I come from a pretty unique background in so that my mother is a psychotherapist and my father was a psychiatrist. And my dad was a pretty like hippie at heart. And he was like, he loved cannabis. And, but he was also like a doctor, obviously. So I remember just like, growing up he never tried to push anything on me for sure but like I just remember he was super open about it and he was very passionate about um weed basically and um so that's what I grew up kind of thinking that there's something in nature but then I didn't really my first psychedelic journey was with mushrooms when I was just turned 18 I think and before that, I just thought they were dumb. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's so like dumb. Like, why would anyone do that? Oh, kind of vibe. And then um, a couple of my friends were going to do mushrooms because they were they had done them a few times. And I was like, oh, you guys, that's so gross. And then when they started tripping and I was like, well, they're not incoherent. I mean, they're giggling and they're still making a lot of sense. But there's they're not like what I kind of thought in my head was that, you know, alcohol, it gets people so sloppy. So yeah. whereas like alcohol and other uh, some other like <laughs> common substances, they get people very just like sloppy. Yeah. The um, effect of um, psilocybin or any other um, psychedelics is completely opposite it actually makes you more focused it actually makes you more in touch in tune with everything so I was like that's not scary so when I was around those guys I I took a few mushrooms as well and and I remember just like this feeling of like oh my god like I can feel something happening and uh and then I just remember talking to myself like okay you have two choices you can either have a good trip or a bad trip and I was like I choose a good trip and it was honestly like absolutely just fantastic like Mm. my mind just opened so much and like I was so connected to nature in a way that I never thought I was I always wanted to live in a city I always wanted to be like a modern kind of like cosmo girl or whatever and it was like just a complete u-turn from there and um yeah I did mushrooms a few times and then LSD a few times as well and then something happened with me where I was like not in the best mental state in general in life and I actually ended up having a um, like a PTSD kind of flashback not on medicine I want to make that very clear it happened like months and months after and it wasn't like a flashback but it was like a very like real um, nervous system over excitement yeah. and uh, so I took a couple of years off completely because I was like okay something's off I had like a lot of anxiety attacks and I didn't want to bring anything to upset that mm-hmm. and then eventually started getting back into the usage of psychedelics um maybe like five years ago now okay. and um they've been since I, I was really nervous getting back into it because I was afraid that like I was going to upset my nervous system again but actually um it was only helpful because what I was experiencing at the time was that um so I obviously work in the music industry and yeah. I moved to London like five years ago from Finland and like just fully put myself into like this masculine energy of like it's career and it's just like I need to work with the biggest artist in the world and like I really pushed myself to this like super masculine um, stress mold that um, I couldn't really hold for long and how that Mm. turned out was like I developed bulimia at the age of what was I 24 25 when it started and I had it for three years and the crazy part with that was like I just thought like 
how is somebody who's as um, dedicated to doing the self-work and who's really just like researching every day and like how they can make themselves feel better and like heal and like truly doing the work how can I still have fucking eating disorder in my mid-20s like how is that a thing and then eventually what three years ago now I think I um, ended up doing like a stronger, like that was my first ever, like a solo strong mushroom trip. I think I took like three grams. And um, after that, just completely vanished from my system. Three years of just spending my head in the toilet, hating myself, just being like, what is wrong with me? And then spending that afternoon with three grams of mushrooms. And it, it just, I have not thrown up shins since. So Was there something that happened like during that experience with the three grams of mushrooms, like were there realizations that were made for you about being bulimic? So here's an interesting thing about psychedelics for anyone who hasn't really done them. Um, You can't really explain how they fix you or how they work. Like everyone has like such a, such a subjective experience. So what ended up happening with me? I remember this because I laugh about it all the time. It's so nonsensical, but hey, it worked. Yeah. Um, was that I was laying on this beach and I was listening to music and I have this song that I've always said that I want to be my um, funeral song. So when I die, I want this song to be played at my funeral and it's um, Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. And um, for anyone who knows that song, it has an obscenely long guitar solo in the middle. It's like super long. It's like two, three minutes. And that's going to be like my final ha ha to everyone at my funeral. It's like, they're going to be like, oh, she was such a free bird. And then this fucking solo just won't stop. And people are going to be like, when is this song ending? So um, (laughs) I was at, I was at the beach and um, I was breaking out into what I like to call energetic hives. So there was like some small bugs that were like tickling my feet and for whatever reason I just could not stop twitching it felt like my feet were kind of like on fire Mm -hmm. so I remember saying to my subconscious at that moment when the guitar solo was approaching that if you can be without twitching your legs for the duration of that guitar solo you will have overcome your bulimia okay and I literally it was, I felt like my feet were on fire at that point because, you know, I, it's just so funny to explain, but I made it through. And afterwards I was like, God damn, if that helped. And it, it just vanished from my system. So that makes no sense in no way, none, none whatsoever, but if it works, it works. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then after that experience where psychedelics helped you to overcome bulimia, what, what has your experience been with psychedelics moving forward? So I don't do microdosing um, because I just haven't really gotten around to it. I've done it a few times, but um, I also want to make really sure that because I now understand the power of psychedelics is that I'm doing it in a very responsible manner. And mm-hmm. in that you have to consider legalities, obviously, because what may happen is that if there's like another massive wave of people just like self-healing and doing a bunch of psychedelics and not really taking the responsibility around that, you know, somebody does something and it ends up in the news and then that kind of fucks it all for everybody. Yeah. So 
that's um, something I feel really like strongly about is that if if it's like a social environment I won't take more than like a gram which is just like an enhancing thing you can't yeah. really do go wrong with that you know and um ever like after that I've done Bufo so Bufo various 5-MeO DMT twice now uh which has been like another absolutely insane <laughs> experience will you, will you explain uh to the listeners what Bufo is yeah, so Bufo is um, 5-MeO-DMT. There's a couple of different kinds of DMT, and this one is uh, probably the most um, strong psychedelic experience known to man. It's not very visual necessarily, but it is just like what it does to your brain is that it fully shuts down your brain's default mode network, which is where our um, where we, as we know ourselves, our ego lives. So mm-hmm. it shuts it down for like a good 10, 15 um minutes it's very quick in and out kind of like vertical experience where you just like basically die but it is the most beautiful experience Mm. and just like you experience this kind of like unity consciousness um where some people don't really remember anything at least in the first time so everyone has a very subjective experience but um it's basically this um this frog called the sonoran desert toad that lives Mm -hmm. in um somewhere it's also the colorado desert uh, colorado river toad i think it's the same same toad so it lives under underground nine months of the year and then it comes up for like breeding and and eating um for three months so there's a tribe in mexico called the siri tribe who i believe discovered it and this was a shock to me they didn't discover it until 1992 so it's not like right so it's not like this thing that has been around for you know thousands of years like ayahuasca it's very recent and um so a facilitator that I'm familiar with who used to actually work in a psychiatric ward in New York for a couple of decades so he came from like a very western background of western psychiatric (laughs) medicine and he just kind of was like what else is out there there's got to be better solutions so Mm -hmm. he went to uh, see the Sura tribe and he asked them okay because the way that you get the poison from the toad is that w- when the toads are like up you just like basically like grab them and th- then you milk kind of like the poison off of their glands into oh. this like piece of glass and then okay. uh, when it's wet it's highly poisonous but when it dries and gets crystallized then the poison kind of goes away so he just asked mm-hmm. the Sura tribe is like okay, what made you think that this would be a good idea? Just like pick up this toad and just like smoke the venom. Yeah. And oh, you smoke is... the you smoke the venom. Yes, that's okay. that's that is what you do in Buffalo. It's like you smoke it. Okay. And um so he asked them, like, what made you think this is a good idea <laughs> to do? And the Surrey tribe told him, and this is where it gets highly interesting, is that the star people told us to do it interesting yes of course and they did okay yeah it's just ufos just being like okay these humans need to like upgrade their consciousness pretty yeah. damn asap so okay here's the toad and um that very much has been my experience is that you experience this kind of like multi multi-dimensional experience outside of the reality 3d constructs that we know because those that is the like 3d reality that we're able to perceive with our senses right now Mm -hmm. but it kind of shuts that down and you live in 
a multi-dimensional space which kind of sounds really scary but it's actually really beautiful and I truly believe that that's kind of what happens when we die because um in when when a human or when anything dies we have our natural source of DMT in our pineal gland Mm -hmm. which is obviously a gland that has been um you know um like ancient Egyptians it's all over their art like the kind of like pine cone symbolism is everywhere so they knew the power of that gland when it comes to being in contact with the you know one giant consciousness universe or whatever you like to think about um so the interesting thing with that is that the last time I did it and when when you're in Bufo your body is completely like you you don't even remember your body so you're fully somewhere else and they so you can't really remember what you did some people uh, talk some people just lay still some people really bounce around so that's why you need like experienced facilitators there as well to make sure your body is safe and so what I had done and I obviously have no recollection of this is that I had tried to put my fingers down my throat multiple times and they had to pull my hand out really yeah okay anyway how long is the how long is the bufo experience it's really short so um as you start to inhale the smoke you pretty much go already like it's really just like quick in and out so the thick of it lasts about anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes and the whole experience like when you're like coming out of it and everything is more like 45 or something like that because obviously you want to lay down there and like get like a meditative dose a little bit more and like linger in the consciousness of it that's really quick I don't know why I thought Bufo was a much longer experience it's very quick but also like you often don't have any sense of time so it feels like it can feel like an eternity mm-hmm. and it can feel like two seconds because like we obviously exist in a place where time you know beyond time so <laughs> it wow. can feel longer yeah so um when you sat with Bufo did it feel like a quick experience or did you have just literally no concept of the time I um it's hard to explain I kind of ended up in this um I just remember being in this like white space and I saw like a golden flower of life pattern everywhere but it it wasn't like like a space where you look at look around your room like there wasn't space like that but it was it was like um the universe before God has decided to start dividing. So like the very first dimension where all is one. Mm-hmm. And I re- I just remember hearing this like primordial hum of the universe of it just existing in all its potency. I don't mm-hmm. know that totally didn't answer your question, but like time wasn't really an issue there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so fascinating. Um, Aside from psilocybin, bupo, and LSD, have you experienced any other psychedelics? Um, well, MDMA, but I, I, I would be loosely <laughs> counting okay. that. And uh, ketamine as well. Okay. And I'm going to do my first ayahuasca, hopefully this December. I was going to ask you if you've sat with Aya yet. Yeah. yeah, not yet. It's coming. I'm sitting with Aya in, in, this month or next month for, for the first uh-huh. time. Mm-hmm super exciting I'm very excited um I'm just going into it very open to whatever I'm supposed to receive yeah but but I has been she's been calling to me a lot so 
I'm really excited for that. Hmm. So something, something you and I were chatting about before we started the episode is just the two, the kind of the disconnect in the world of psychedelics, how we have the organization, say the name of the organization that's doing a lot of research, MAPS, right? MAPS, yeah. It yeah. stands for, and I hate it because it's such a tongue twister, it's Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Okay. So there's MAPS who's doing all of the heavy research. Um, and then there's a lot going yeah. on in, in our culture with psychedelics. And so you were chatting about how do we merge the two worlds together? Is that right? Mm, yeah. So what I feel like is such a good point to make at this point in time is that when we look back in history and the first time psychedelics were really like even discovered or used have been in various different indigenous cultures where obviously things like ayahuasca and psilocybin have been used in a ceremonial setting for rites mm -hmm. of passages, for um religious purposes mostly and that is obviously still happening in multiple different cultures but it's very like in the rainforest or whatever right. so it, it's kind of like over there you know you yeah. have to really like search for it so it doesn't really it can't really come out of there you know mm -hmm. And then the second time around, obviously, in the 50s, 60s and 70s, the hippie movement, which kind of um, shut the bed uh, in, in that day. Um, it was an interesting time, obviously, politically and historically for multiple yeah. different reasons. But as a result of that, so LSD was discovered and actually Harvard, out of all places, was where most of the psychedelic research was happening at the time because they realized like okay we really got something and that really pissed a lot of the people in like the professors in Harvard off because a lot of these students were like going into the psychedelic studies where you know they, they didn't have enough students so that it was just causing a lot of trouble and in a very volatile time where you know, there was a war being fought that was highly controversial. And mm -hmm. then there was a huge movement of young people who did not agree with the war. But obviously you can't make that illegal. But what you can do is you can make the substances illegal that all yeah. of those people were, you know, using and feeling the freedom from. So unfortunately, psychedelics became like vilified mm -hmm. by the state, by the government. And um I don't think it was I mean easy to say now but like it wasn't really used in a manner of like healing it was almost like uh, you know children being like what can I do with this and like oh what is consciousness and which is a beautiful part of psychedelics but we're in a place right now where we're in the third wave where we can kind of like look back and be like okay that's what happened last time now we're slowly coming out of the lockdown of psychedelics yeah and um being like okay damn this research is really compelling so what maps is doing like they're in the phase th phase three clinical trials for mdma for ptsd which is fantastic mm -hmm. because the results are absolutely staggeringly so much better than you know just normal therapy so yeah and so all of these different clinical research is happening. And then there's, you know, your psychonaut users or people who have been experimenting themselves. And, and then there's like the kind of like party users. But how do we make that research and then the cultural kind of meet? And mm -hmm. how do we do it in a way that 
really showcases that these medicines are extremely powerful. You should respect them, but you shouldn't be afraid of them. And like, right. what is the right code of contact? Kind of like how to use it if you're like a um, quote unquote average normal person and you're kind of interested in in these medicines. I don't believe in such a thing as an average person, by the way, but just for the sake of this conversation. Right. And uh, what I'm kind of doing right now, we're starting. Uh, a bit of an initiative is that I obviously work with some pretty major artists out there. Um, for instance, um, Machine Gun Kelly and and Megan Fox, who recently did Ayahuasca, and they talked about it on, on like they've talked about it on multiple different yeah. um, you know shows out there, as well as um, the lead singer from Imagine Dragons, who obviously has a Mormon background. He did yeah. Ayahuasca as well with his wife, and and said that that was a major. Uh, component in saving their marriage so I think it's important to kind of bring people who know what's at stake um, because healing does belong to everyone so just like talking about it in a way that people can kind of like relate to if somebody says like doing this with my wife saved my marriage because we were able to see each other truthfully in a completely different light in a way where talking just didn't work you know I think there's something there um, so that's what I'm kind of like looking into yeah. right now is how we can make this, how we can do it in a smart way. You know, mm -hmm. I had such a fear before experiencing psychedelics because I grew up in a family of drug, drug addicts. So seven of my nine mm -hmm. siblings are drug addicts or have had addiction problems. And so, and my parents are in their seventies. So they were, uh, they lived through the, the sexual revolution and the, and you know, Woodstock and all the things, right. And so I grew up with a lot of stigma around it and having siblings who had addiction issues. I was like, oh, no, I would never, I would never right. try psychedelics. So I really like, as my consciousness has been rising and I've expanded and also just having the experience of people who I really respect, like yeah. as humans, as business owners, as entrepreneurs and hearing yes. about their experiences with psychedelics like just hearing that and hearing that people have been having different experiences with psychedelics has opened me up to sitting and having experiences that five years ago, I would have been like, I'm not a drug addict. Totally. <laughs> so I think it's so important, like on, uh, on the level that we are at in our lives, but then also that, you know, celebrities and people who have in the public eye have a view of status that mm -hmm. people can hear their experiences and be like, oh, oh, this celebrity or this um, famous entrepreneur who I aspire to have a business like is having these experiences and having these beautiful breakthroughs. Yeah, totally. And that's why I feel so passionately about this because who do kids look up to? not their parents, um, not no. necessarily, not yeah. their teachers. It's the rock stars. It's always yeah. the artists. It's always the actors who they kind of like look up to and want to be. So a part of my, my purpose, I strongly feel part of my purpose in this life is to kind of guide these people who I get to work with and really just be like, how do you talk about this? If you want to talk about it, like what is the kind of example that you want to set? Because 
um, and it doesn't have to be psychedelics. It can be something as simple as, you know, breath work. If, if yeah. I can teach somebody how to do breath work in coaching and then they go into an interview and the interviewer asks them, so you've been struggling with anxiety, what has helped you? And then they say, well, actually I've been doing cold, expo- cold exposure and, and breath work. And then kids everywhere are like, what is breath work you know yeah. so like that is such a like what I see happening or what I envision happening is that helping people manage their problems better and then when those people who have large platforms talk about the things that has helped them in a way that kind of demystifies them because right now like psychedelics are really scary and really um you know hard to approach if you're mm. not already kind of got friends who are in it um so I'm just hoping that that's the leap we can make is teach people how to talk about then kind of like demystify them uh, in the culture and make them more approachable. Totally. A question I didn't ask, it's a little bit of a back step, but how did you get involved in the record industry, in the music industry? Hmm. So I've just always been a very intense person, Um, (laughs) like a very (laughs) passionate and I remember when I was like, what, 17, 18, and I was like, what am I actually going to do with my life now? And I was like, okay, I probably have to do something that I love for a living because otherwise that's just not going to work. And I was like, what do I love? I love horses. I love music. And um, I was in horse breeding for a while as well. But then I decided to make the natural transition into the record label side. <laughs> From horse breeding to the record business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so obviously I was living in Finland at the time and I was getting my marketing degree. Um, and I just applied for, I knew a couple of people from, cause Finland's a very small country. So I knew a couple of people who kind of were in the label sites. So I got an internship at Sony music over in Finland. And that was such a revelation for me. I was like, you can do this for a living. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Like jobs don't have to be boring. And um, after I finished my internship, I was just so hungry. I was like, I want to work with the biggest artist in the world. And, and in order to do that, you have to either, you know, live in the U S or the UK. And I just ended up kind of, you know, getting the first job that I could possibly find in music in the UK, which was not the greatest. I ended up staying there only for like six months. Uh, but after like, I I took the job after a couple of interviews and then, um, ended up moving my entire life over in like four days notice from Finland wow. to London. And I've kind of been on that road since. So I um, got a job as a marketing assistant at Universal Music here in London. And then I've just kind of moved my way up and I'm about to um, launch my own like coaching side, which we can get into yeah. uh, really soon. So yeah, it's just passion took me there. <laughs> It's so beautiful. So what is the leap that you are making from working in the industry to coaching? Yeah. So this happened at the beginning of lockdown. I remember there was just like the initial two week phase of like, what the fuck is happening right now? Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone was in such a shock when things just closed so suddenly here. And um, in that time I was like, I had been in this like very codependent relationship with my job for that three-year time where I loved it, but I had no identity outside of it. Mm. But all I could feel was like, there's gotta be something more like, I'm not really giving back. Cause mm. like, it's, I get to work with cool people. I get to do really cool, like marketing exercises and like go to cool events, but like, what else is there? Mm-hmm. And 
then I um, read this book at the time, which I highly recommend to anyone who's like searching for their, you know, next thing to do or searching for their meaning, or it's just a really good book. It's um, Mastery by Robert Greene. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's so good. So and, good. Yeah. And in it, he's like, what? Because I, I feel like every one of us has like our innate like zone of genius, but it's usually so second nature to us that we don't even think about it as being like something that you get paid for or something that is like a talent because it's just so like what do you mean like duh and ever since I've been um young and it could be because obviously my background and my my parents being both in the mental health industries is that people just tell me their deepest and darkest stories and that's been happening since I was a teenager people just tell me stuff without me even like really asking And, but I didn't want to be a therapist. So I was like, what can I do? That's kind of like in the middle. And what I obviously know so well is the music industry. But what Mm -hmm. I also know is like this self-development world. Um, I actually got, uh, after the lockdown started here, I got certified as a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist because I've been working with hypnosis for years at that point, like on myself and just like on my friends and um, so that felt super natural to me anyway. So I've just been slowly getting like accredited and now moving into, I, um, I'm, I will still continue to do the lab, regular label work, but on the side launching a, um, artist coaching company called break the record consulting, mm-hmm. which is going to cater to artists who are just like struggling with anything that has to do with being an artist. And it's a lot because what we do so well as a culture and as an industry is that we sell them the dream of what it's like to be a professional artist, you know, get to tour, you get to have fans, right. But then none of the is actually going to take and none of the how you're going to be feeling and how the process is emotionally and mentally and how your relationships are going to be changing and soon what are you going to do when especially now that we sign so many young artists from like TikTok who just like mm. blow up and they don't really know at all what's happening so like I was just like being informed in trauma and also just nervous system <laughs> function like what it's like just educating them of, okay so what you're experiencing right now is that your nervous system is on a completely you know sympathetic mode and just bringing like a very down-to-earth things into their lives and also having somebody who understands the industry to help them through all these like different conversations around fame and uh, you know money and fans and cancel culture social yeah. media boundaries all of it so, yeah so that's that's where I'm being drawn towards That's beautiful. And, you know, I can just think about different celebrities or different artists that we think about them like during their lives, like um, the first person that popped into my head, she just disappeared. Hold on. Lindsay Lohan pops Mm -hmm. into my head or like different, like really like talented, famous people, Amy Winehouse, where like these different things, they've so talented, so incredible, but nobody was there to help guide them through the different phases of becoming famous and all of a sudden you're a child and now you're in a grown-up industry with contracts and business and people robbing you you know trying to take your energy away from you yeah yeah exactly it's it's super heavy and it's so multifaceted as well because there's almost this like attitude that 
when you're given the success, you're not allowed to kind of complain about it because like, oh, so many people would give anything to be in your position. So you just, just, just take it kind of vibe when in fact, like what's any of it worth if you're absolutely exhausted, if you cannot sleep, if your like nervous system is so like high wired all the time that you're just like anxious all the time or that you have like creative blockages where so many young artists get into the industry because they just love creating. And when it becomes like a job, because being an artist these days is not about just like creating art. It's about Mm -hmm. social media. It's about having a brand and like having a business and like all of those things that aren't really in, they weren't in the job description as strongly even 10 years ago. So So just like prepping, getting to them early and like prepping them towards it and making them feel supported in the process because like that's just not what's happening right now. And so many artist managers end up kind of like doubling up as a mental health professional, which is obviously not ideal. No. What types of modalities will you or are you using with artists that that Mm. are like really helpful and really effective? Yeah. So obviously like traditional coaching methods, which is Mm -hmm. just like supporting them in whatever it is that they need support with. And it's not like about creating like a specific outcome in my opinion or in the label's opinion or whatever. I just want to create like an hour a week. That's just for the person, you know, Mm -hmm. that is just like a container where they can feel heard and um, otherwise depending on the person um, obviously can do some like, uh, hypnosis work. I'm open to offering that to anyone who works with me. Obviously, it's not like I'm going to make them <laughs> do that because it, it 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 is a bit of a niche kind of thing. And then uh, different like meditation exercises and breath work also, as well as um, I'm partnering up with a beautiful company called Neurohacker Collective who make like this fantastic nootropic uh, <clears throat> supplement. And something that I also feel so passionately about is that in these kind of like high performance jobs, you know, your CEOs, your actors, your, um, you know, sports people, all of them have like some sort of like mindset coaching or all of them have like some sort of like supplementation or something in the health side, but artists don't really have that. Mm -mm. So just like also shifting the the conversation with the artists to understand that their creative muscle, so to speak, is something that can can be nurtured with things like nootropics, with things like meditation that really is about nervous system regulation. Um, But just like demystifying some of those things because that isn't really happening right now. Mm, It's interesting when I think about it, like, you know, you think about like an athlete, like, an, an athlete a lot of times is more nourished because they're actually physically like using yeah. their body, jumping, doing athletic things. Whereas artists, because it's the creativity, it's the mind, right? Um, a lot of times I think that that is forgotten that like the nourishing of the mind via nutrition, yeah. via nootropics, via meditation is just as important as it is for the athlete. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not something that's kind of like fun to have on the side optionally. It's yeah. really getting into those flow states and creating um, situations where dipping into a flow state easily is mm-hmm. which is where you create from. That's the gold for the artist. And if you're completely exhausted, wired, tired at the same time, that's just not going to be optimal for you to even function as an artist. 
Mm-mm. No, like their body is the energetic framework of everything that they do. I have this conversation mm-hmm. with my clients who are business owners and they're like eating like shit, not working yeah. out, not taking care of themselves. And then they're struggling in business. I'm like, well, <laughs> your energetic <laughs> container is like not being taken care of. Why do you think business is going to flow? Absolutely. Yeah. That's Love awesome. That. That's so beautiful. Uh, Anna, where can everybody find you, connect with you and learn more about your coaching? Mm. So you can go on my website, which is www.breaktherecordconsulting.com. And on my Instagram, you can probably put the handles down there because my last name is a doozy to spell, but it's- I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Anna Turnin. And then Anna is also a podcast host. Yes, indeed. So I have a Break the Record podcast that's available on all of the outlets. And it's mostly interviewing people in music who have like interesting backgrounds, interesting stories, are willing to kind of like shake the conversation up when it comes to everything, you know, industry related. But it's also just very relatable to, you know, everyday stuff. And I talk about psychedelics there as well. Surprise. Beautiful. Big surprise. You're so knowledgeable (laughs) about it. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and all of your goodness with our listeners today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. And if you guys love this episode, please, please, please take a screenshot, share it in your story, tag myself and Anna and let us know what you loved about it. Make sure you go over and connect with Anna, check out her website. And as always, if you guys love this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I hope you all had a beautiful day and I'll see you next week on the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved what you heard, I would be beyond thankful if you would share this podcast on your Instagram story and share with me what about the episode with me or with my guests that you loved. Also, please remember if you love this podcast to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss out on all of the incredible guests and topics that we have lined up for you during this crazy year. And as always, if there is ever a guest or a topic or anything you would like for me and a guest to discuss, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Regina A. Lawrence. Lots of love, guys.